Hello and welcome to SAE Tomorrow Today. I'm your host, Grayson Brulte. Welcome to another episode of SAE Tomorrow Today, a show about emerging technology and trends in mobility with leaders, innovators, and strategists who make it all happen. On today's episode, we're joined by Bupajit Halder, founder and CEO of Safe AI. On today's episode, he'll share the company's approach to meeting the global demand for autonomous, zero-mission, heavy-duty mining trucks. We hope you enjoy this episode. Bupajit, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Really looking forward to talking to you. I'm excited to have you here because the future of mining is autonomous and Safe AI is playing a very big role in that future. Before we get into autonomy for our audience, I want to put some numbers around the global state of mining. Benchmark Minerals has reported there's a global shortage of 384 graphite, lithium, nickel, and cobalt mines globally. EV demand is growing. To meet this demand, these mines have to come online quickly. But the sad reality is it takes 10 years to develop a new mine. You're developing autonomous equipment for mines. Could autonomous heavy-duty construction trucks potentially expedite the process, in your opinion? The simple answer is yes, but there is a lot more to it. Let me give you one fun fact on top of what you just said. I don't know if you saw the news recently. Elon Musk is talking to one of the largest mining companies called Glencore to take some ownership of that company. What that emphasizes is that, you know, the demand for electric vehicle is not growing. They're exponentially growing. And, and the curve is just crazy. So yes, I think that all the OEM are really going directly to the source, saying that where can we make sure we have the supply, directly supply for that. So and autonomy will play a critical role. Autonomy will not only play a critical role into accelerate the process, but also bringing that mining into countries. If you think about US doesn't produce that much of, the, of this material today. One of the reason is that you know the cost of doing this mine is high in US. So I think autonomy will not only accelerate but explore areas where we are not thinking about doing mining. So it's a it's exciting time. It's an exciting time. We have to think differently when it comes to the EV supply chain. If we go back, say I think it was ten years ago, VW summoned Glencore, the traders, to Germany to meet with them to buy cobalt and the vw says we're vw we want a discount and they said actually we're glencore we control the cobalt market there's no discount and tesla's taking the right approach they've taken it from day one with a vertical integration from from the charging and now trying to get access to the supply materials but it all goes back to the mines and then it goes back and tesla's doing a really great move with the lithium refining that they're proposed to build in texas going back to the vertical integration as these mines are developed, is there any autonomy from a construction standpoint being used today in mines that are currently being developed around the world? Yeah, so I think a little bit of statistics, right? There is about 1,100 vehicle, autonomous vehicle has been running in a mine today, you know, across the countries in Australia, Canada, and Latin America. And they have been using it for over seven to eight years. So mining industry is very familiar with using autonomous vehicle to really make that production more efficient and do it more safely. Let's dive into Western Australia because there's 125 active mining projects focused on 50 different minerals there. How are the autonomous vehicles or heavy duty trucks that matter being used in those mines? Is it hauling heavy duty rock in and out of the mines or how are they being used? Yeah, they're mostly used in a two type of mine, if you will. One is the metal. So if you think about all the metal and also the you know hard rock. You know, think, you can think about even gold. So they have been used to mostly haul material from point A to point B. So usually in a typical mine, what happens, you, you, you know, obviously you do the exploration of your ground, then you haul material from point A to point B, and point B is really where you're putting it for processing. So I think the currently all the 
truck that is running autonomously in the mine is actually using for hauling the dirt from point A to point B. You recently got back from a trip to Perth in Western Australia. I got to ask, are any of those heavy-duty trucks being powered by safe AI? Yeah, I just, uh, it was a great, I mean, after this whole COVID thing that fin- finally I'd get to go out and I was in Australia, Australia, I was in a gold mine where, you know, one of our customers, as you know, Mackay is one of our customers as one of the largest contract miner. So it was a gold mine. One of our truck is running there. We are going to ramp up to our truck and go from there. But really seeing it in the first hand, and I was there, right? I was there for the whole day. I actually drive in a man truck, if you will. And about almost two and two and a half hour to really feel that what it takes automobile just is a game changer in every aspect of it so yes we are very excited and i think one of the offer i have even for last time love to have you come over and see how these things works in real life that i'm taking you up on from a game changer standpoint is it efficiency from time is it efficiency from a cost perspective, because we've had a gentleman on from Cat Mindstar before, and he was talking about the individual flies in for a week, goes home for a week, and it's very hard. The turnover is very high to keep individuals out of mind. If you're technically running them autonomous, you can increase efficiency and you eliminate that downtime. Is that what you're seeing in the market? There are three things, and I, I know you always talk about safety, but this was really just happened very recently, so maybe I'll start off with that. So there at the mine we are running, there was actually a safety incident happened there a couple of weeks ago. And it was with a human operator with a regular mine. And that really put things in perspective. So I think as much as we talk about you know, operational efficiency, safety is the number one. And, and you know, really put that in a perspective. So safety is number one. Then number two, you're talking about operational efficiency. You're talking about 20% increased productivity. This is what I mean by game changer. You know, I kind of, we talked about one of the time, right? If some company getting the job done in 100 million and some company getting the job in 80 million, that's just a game changer. So that's the game changer. You're looking at the operational efficiency. Third thing in the availability of the operator itself. This is the third point you talked about. Having people to go into the remote place, living there, you know, fly in and fly out with a chartered plane. You don't want, you don't see the next generation of the people wanted to do that job. So I think that is the third element of it, which we are very aware of. It's tough. With the increase in safety, that's going to lower the insurance cost, which is going to have a positive impact on the the bottom line. The mines around the world, we have mines in Canada, we have mines in Australia, in Indonesia, there's, there's mines in Western United States, in Nevada, different terrains, different weather environments. When you're developing the safe AI autonomous heavy-duty trucks, does geography come into play, for example, if you're going to run in a mine in, say, Canada that and get very cold in the winter and has ice versus Western Australia where perhaps you could have a dust storm? Do you develop the system a little bit differently targeted to the geographic of where that truck will be operating? On a, on a macro level, it's a very similar solution. But obviously, every mine you go, it's not just geography, but also think about the metal mine versus a, you know, a hard rock mine versus the oil sand they all are slightly different than each other. They also run things differently. So I think one of the things you're looking at every mine we go to, there is a little bit of adjustment, not just for geography, but also how they do the mining. You know, what you do for the hard rock, what you do for the metal, what you do for the you know oil sands of the world, is not exactly the same. And we, we go and we actually adapt to that. But on a macro level, it's a very similar solution. And then the adaptation happen in the mine by mine basis, not so much about geography. 
Thank you for clarifying that we, we both agree that the clear trend that mines are going autonomous, autonomous heavy duty trucks are going into mines. The other big trend in mining is sustainability. And recently, members of the International Council on Mining and Metals, and that includes BHP, Glencore, who we mentioned earlier in this podcast, announced they're planning a joint effort to test hydrogen and other zero emission technologies and a bit shift away from, from diesel fossil fuels. What are your thoughts on that? And then from a technology standpoint, will you have to develop a safe AI stack differently to run on hydrogen, electric, or other forms of clean energy? Before answering the question, I was really very impressed with the amount of knowledge you have. Like this is, you know, you have a very deep knowledge in mining. So I, I'm very impressed. I don't see that on a day-to-day basis. So to answer to your question, I think, you know, let me back up a little bit. There are three major initiatives going on in this heavy industry, not just mining, mining, construction, both. One is the autonomy. Second is the electrification, which is zero emission. Third is what we call digitalization, like a basically connected site. So they are really looking at connected, autonomous and electrified mine and site. That is the vision. Uh, electrification, I see that is a timing is just perfect. You know, mining industry always looked at it, but today the energy, you know, the technology is at the right step, but they can actually expand that. And you know, we, we actually started working on this area. Uh, we probably will talk a little bit more with Siemens, where you're retrofitting a vehicle, make it electrified and, and taking it to the construction industry very similar thing we'll do for the mining industry in the near future but yes we see in the mining industry been trying all the different options it's not just of making the vehicle autonomous they're actually sorry electrified they're actually looking at the whole value chain from their processing to the whole how can they reduce their carbon footprint and it's an exciting time i mean every ceo of mining industry i talk to they're all fully supportive of that vision that's where the circular economy and, and track and trace and the mining executives that I speak of or in, in the individuals that are looking to buy it, they want to know the provenance. Did the, did the nickel come from Indonesia? Was it refined in China? What was the carbon from the boat to go from, from, from China to the United States? What was it to go from Western Australia to China? They want to know all that. There's a lot of transparency that's coming there. The mining industry, it's spitting off cash. You can make an argument it's between oil and mining and Bloomberg Intelligence is, came out with a recent report that 2022 could be the peak year for dividends. Rio Tinto is over 13%. 13% dividend. They're going to have to, if we go into a potential downturn into a recession or a global recession for that matter, they're going to have to shift their capital allocation strategies away from dividends to one of growth because they're going to have to reignite the growth engine again as we historically seen. BHP has done it many times over. If the dividends are cut because they're not fixed like a normal Procter & Gamble, they fluctuate on cash flows, could we see as companies go more into spending on growth, could we see some of that money shift towards autonomous heavy-duty trucks because they're more efficient, they're more cost-effective to run? Yeah, and mining industry is very, and you're right, maybe just going to answer your starting point. There is a up, you know, right now mining industry is going to the up because of the commodity prices are up. You know, you can look at any mining companies, you know, quarterly earning, you'll see their profit margin is much more bigger than compared to the last year. So they are definitely going through an upside right now. That being said, I think mining industry is being completely sold on autonomy over legs in the last five, six years. They are really ready to ex- you know, expand. And we see that every mining company we talk to, they are also ready to deploy today. Again, they know the safety benefit, productivity benefit. And it is not even investment anymore that they can get the benefit today as they deploy, right? Investment happened over the last 20 years. As you know, the history of CAT, Komatsu's and other companies. So there's a lot of investment gone into it. 
now is the time you see acceleration happen at a massive scale. It's happening on a global scale. It's not just the typical mining. In, in Japan, SafeAI has a partnership with Siemens and Obisha. You're going to create an autonomous zero-emission heavy vehicle fleet. Can you talk about that partnership, please? Absolutely. And let me just kind of give you a little bit of background on the customer we have in, Austra- in, uh, in Japan, Obayashi. Obayashi has been there for over 150 years. They used to build castle for you know Japan's king. So these are in Japan they call it Obayashi son. Like you know, son is a, you know kind of res- you know <laughs> respect. They actually put a respect for company as well. So really, we are very delighted to work with Obayashi. And what we are doing there is really taking the construction industry to the next generation. So working with Obayashi together, we are making vehicle autonomous for them. We have done an articulated dump truck autonomous in Japan. We are doing a dozer autonomous making that also we are working with electrification for them. We are really pushing the boundary of the construction industry, taking them also to the autonomous, electrified and connected future. When you look at the construction industry, some individuals listening might think, oh, building a skyscraper in New York City, building a home in suburban America. How are you, is this a large scale? Are you building a community? Are you building a development? How is your autonomous construction equipment being used in, in your partnership in Japan? Yeah, so I think there is a little bit, I guess so we don't get up in the middle of, you know, Bay Area. we are in Bay Area, just think about how construction works. While you're thinking about, you know, big skyscraper or your house and whatnot, the 60% of the construction, what we call an infrastructure construction, is not only just your house you are building, but we are building your bridge, we are building your road, we are building the dam. So I think, think about the nation building, think about the building, the country itself, that's actually infrastructure construction. And infrastructure construction is what we are targeting at the beginning because they have the very good property, what we like as a, from autonomous point of view. They are longer project, they are very repetitive. So they run for anywhere from three to 10 to 50 years. Believe it or not, I was in a project in Japan, they are gonna run it for the next 50 years project. So you're not looking at the six month, one year project where you're just building a building. Think about you're building a dam, think about you're renovating an airport. Think about you're building the road of a country. And you can imagine that out of about 25% of the world is built well today, right? That other 75% of the world looking at the 25% saying that how can I build, make my road the way this 25% is? How can I build my infrastructure the way this 25% is? So you're really looking at, I want to just set the stage up. When you think about construction, it is not just your building, it is the infrastructure construction. And it is going through a massive changes as well, right? You see countries after countries coming in, they said, I want it too. And autonomy and connected is gonna help them as well, right? Again, reducing the cost, not just cost, but reducing the time and cost at the same time. So that's really what we are doing in Japan, but we are not just doing in Japan. We're obviously doing in the US as well. We are in Europe. So we are, it's not for Japan, Japan is in public, but we are in other countries as well. Is it the long, Contracts, we said earlier, mine takes 10 years to come online, but when a mine comes online, it's it's basically born. It starts day one of operations. Large infrastructure building takes forever. Was that the business model to look at where you can get the contract and it can go on multiple years? It's not, okay, BBG, we need this service for three months, and then we go on to the next thing. With the longevity of the contracts that drove you to this industry? Yeah, it's really in the business, in the numbers. This is nothing, there is no secret to that it's really for you to deploy autonomy you know let's say you're deploying 50 truck for you to retrofit 50 truck set up everything train your whole fleet and the whole people how to run it 
there's no point doing that for six months. It's just not, no, you cannot absorb the cost, right? If something running for 10 years or five years or three years, then you can have, you know, it makes sense. The number makes sense, right? If it is a $10 million project, you're saving 20, 20% great. But if it is a billion dollar project and you're saving 20%, that's even bigger. And usually these are the number we look at. We look at anywhere from 100 million to $10 billion project. You know, I, I, I just want to get the sense about it. One of the mining company you have been talking their operating cost yield is a $1.3 billion. And that mine will run for 20 to 25 years. So that's the scale, right? It, it makes sense to train and set up all the thing for a project that is longer. It can absorb the cost of the autonomy, if you will. Did you first become exposed to these markets during your time at CAT? So, I mean, obviously when I graduated about a long time ago when the autonomy was just coming, I got exposed to this industry because I joined Caterpillar and I worked there for seven years. You know, we are deploying this thing in our several mines in Australia. That was a you know time of my life, if you will. I really learned. I mean, I come from the technology background, doing technology and the, all those fancy AI and whatnot. But when I realized the benefit of actually implementing it in the real world, seeing the actual effect, right, the safety effect, the productivity effect, it, that's literally the heaven for engineers. You know, you can do all the fancy math and whiteboard we have done. You know, the way I say that we are done doing PhDs. You know, we want to build thing now. You know, we have we have our time to do. I think yeah. So that's what I learned mining very intimately. Learn what is they needed, what is really the use of technology. Uh, that was that was kind of where I build my knowledge, if you will, about mining industry. Cat's impressive. Uh, but I want to add context to the word impressive. Cat autonomous mining trucks to date have safely hauled nearly 5 billion tons, I repeat, 5 billion tons of material over 109 million miles without lost time injury. You're a cat, you're an engineer, you're building safe AI. Technically, from an engineering perspective, how is that possible? Yeah, and it is, as you said, I'll echo your words, it is extremely impressive statistics. I mean, nothing beats that you're doing such a profound work in the real day 24 7 and single fatal accident that is an amazing statistics for the industry just to add one more thing for caterpillar just to give you a little more context of they have been doing autonomy since 1994-95 this is not a even 2000 they had a autonomous truck running in their backyard back in 1995 as i say obviously they were a little ahead of their time from the technology readiness point of view but you can see the vision they had for over 30 years now I think to your point, how is it possible going back to kind of engineering hat is that the constrained nature of the environment helped us, right? Because here we can we can kind of bounded our problem. We don't have the kids running around in the middle of the mine. There are human, but they're very organized. They are there for a reason. We know what they're doing. So I think this nature of boundedness, nature of constraint help us to put that technically speaking to have a safety case, which are completely you know, we can guarantee that it's, it's going to be safe because we always have a what we call a state where you can be safe, you know, even if everything, you know, things are not working properly. How safe AI, how are you a, a, approaching safety when you deliver a vehicle to one of your customers? What does that process look like when you deliver the vehicle when that vehicle's operating in the mine or in the construction site? Yeah, but maybe I'll give a little bit of my background. You know, one of my work I did during my PhD is to develop this framework how can an autonomous vehicle be safe even if something is wrong? So that is literally my PhD thesis. You know, I, not that I recommend anybody reading it, but that's kind of the essence of the thesis, if you will. So going back to that, really like think about, and also the Caterpillar 
statistics you give it's not just a caterpillar the similar statistics also apply for komatsu you know komatsu has been also been running 500 plus truck they also moved impressive amount of couple of billion tons of material they also have a zero fatal accident so the reason being is that i think we are also building on top of it right we are not reinventing safety strategy from ground zero right a lot of good work has been done we are building on top of it we know how to make a vehicle safe the autonomous vehicle safe there's a we have a triple redundancy system we have a layered of safety analysis and we are applying all that knowledge that has been built up over the last 20 years while we developed our solution you're doing it right the industry is going through trying times they're not able to the robo taxi they're not able to generate revenue during this conversation, you clearly demonstrated long-term contracts that, that are profitable in the mining and the construction space. With Argo recently folding, do you see, in your opinion, more companies pivot to the mining space because the ODD is more controllable? It's technically easier to deploy an autonomous mining truck than it is to deploy a robo-taxi in a dense urban environment around the world. Do we see more companies enter this market to say, hey, safe AI, you've got competition now. So there are a lot of questions there, maybe, but let me end up taking a broader aspect. And one of the things I always say, I have, and I was also working in the passenger vehicle before, right? I took a little bit of break from the mining, came back to you know, Fords and Apples of the world. So I had a little bit of exposure to the passenger side. Not only I have a great respect for the work they are doing, I think what they are doing in that in, in is, is essential for their success in our industry as well. Because really what we are doing, you know, people say they have, you know, they have spent $100 billion or $90 billion, pick your, pick your number, and nothing came out of it, which is not actually true. Because because they spent the $90 billion, we were able to do things because we didn't raise a billion dollar. We are at a, you know, we are at a million range, right? The reason we could do what we are doing, because we are borrowing the technology and the benefit they have done, actually, literally, you're borrowing that uh, improvement that happened in the camera, in the AI technology, and the sensor, and ecosystem, that happened because of the passenger vehicles. We are taking that from there. So it's a, it's a really, a, I mean, I, I continue to see them improve. To your point that they haven't figured out the revenue, it's really the problem is that much harder. It's not like they will get there. It's a question of is that much harder and they're working really hard. So that's kind of, I want to set the stage up. I have a lot more positive view about passenger vehicle, even if we don't see a revenue yet. Second thing, what you said, we. Will you see a pivot? I think, you know, just to give you statistics in our industry, there is a 1.5 million vehicle in our world when you look at mining and construction together. 1.5 million. It is not that big, but think about 1.5 million vehicle. There are about 20 to 30 different type of use cases. There is about 35 to 40 different type of vehicle given in attachments and all the things. So number of use cases that this vehicle is going to be applied is just massive and now think about only thousand vehicle which is impressive but only thousand vehicle is today autonomous so why i set the stage up it is not a time when competition is a bad thing i think there is just not enough company doing it more company comes it's going to be better just to put a end to that you know discussion the way i say that if google wasn't interested in doing mining we would have seen 60 percent mining industry you know mining vehicle are automated by now running in production so it will be a good for the industry, good for the world if more people come. That's a very, very, very valid point because Waymo, Google could put tremendous amount of resources to 
perfecting it and scaling it. From an economic standpoint, the the 1.5 million vehicles operating in mining construction, they're expensive. Some of them are millions of dollars. It's not putting a $30,000 car, $40,000 car and putting $100,000, $200,000 worth of sensors on it. The economics are there and they're profitable. So you look at that and then you're working with MACA and Western Australia to retrofit a fleet of 100 mixed vehicles for autonomy. When this is complete, it's going to be one of the largest fleets in the world. That's really impressive. How are you going to do that technologically and scale that? Yeah, and we are extremely, extremely, you know, excited about that number. Not just the number. Think about the way it is. What we are providing to the mining and the heavy industry, you are saying that, you know, autonomy was there in that industry a long time ago, right? It's not a new thing. But the solution that is running today is what I call a gold-plated solution. Think about the Tesla Roadster. You know, it's a $200,000 car. It's amazing. But you probably can get, but most other people can look at it but can't get it. But now they come up with that, you know, still $40,000 is not, you know, not cheap, but still at least you can afford today. So think about we are doing the same thing to the heavy industry. There is a solution existed before, but that's so expensive. Most of the industry was looking at it, wanted it. They couldn't get it. We are providing the solution. We are saying we have a solution that you can use. It is much better, but also at a price point that everyone can afford. So this 100 vehicle not only is a big achievement for us, but also it will prove to the industry, yes, the new solution, the solution you can buy. Model 3, you know, think about Model 3 is here. It's not just a roadster anymore, right? I think that we are even more excited about, that we want to tell the industry Model 3 is here. You can go buy it today. I think I, I, that is really what, you know, excites me to get up in the morning every day. To your point, technologically, you know, autonomy has a two piece of the puzzle. One is that all those AIs and the, you know, all the nice words that you, you heard about, we are less interested about that. As I said, we've been doing it for 20 years. But the second piece of that autonomy is that how do you deploy it in production that runs smoothly and give you no headache? I think technology-wise, we, we are good at it. We, as I said, we have been done it, you know, several times. We have the technology. Now we are focusing on how can we deploy the 100 truck in production and really make it very easy to use for customer and they get their productivity improvement they're looking for. And I think we recently also added one of the best people in that, you know, Sudhangshu joined us as a head of operation. He has been doing it for last nine years, exactly doing that at Caterpillar. So I think that's kind of our next act, if you will. How are you able, I like the comparison to the Roadster to the Model 3. The, the Model 3 is a lot more affordable than the Roadster which is, it's cost effective. More, more consumers have the, the ability to purchase or lease a Model 3. You're following a similar path. How are you able to do it for such a cost effective manner for your customers? Another good statistics. Do you, I mean, actually, as much as Model 3 is less expensive, way less expensive than Roadster, but Model 3 is way better car than a Roadster. Every angle of it, the software, the hardware, the everything of it. The reason is that technology is, that's the way technology works, right? You give technology time, it improved and matured significantly and cost goes down. It just, that's, the, that's just the way of technology. This is no, you know, if you want to get internet in 1980, you know, you have to be some generals or something. You can't even get it, right? And today internet is like at your fingertip for free anywhere, right? So I think it is nothing secret about what something Safia is doing better. It's just the way technology moved. I'll give you one example. I'll stop there, right? The LiDAR we used back in the days, almost you know, 10 years ago, that was like $60,000, $70,000 LiDAR. Today, LiDAR would be $2,000, $3,000, $4,000 a day at a scale, would be 10 times better than that $70,000 LiDAR. 
just to give you one, it is nothing that Safia is doing. It is just that tenure has gone by. This is what tenure does to technology. The supply chain's improving. The cost of the technology is coming down because the LiDAR companies are selling more. We saw that in the Luminar numbers. They're, they're booming because, for example, they're LiDAR. They're selling more. When you deliver a safe AI heavy-duty autonomous truck to one of your customers, what is it like? Do you put them through a training course when they, when they first get of how to operate it? Or how does that process work? We say, hello, Mr. Customer. Hello, Mrs. Customer. Here's your autonomous heavy-duty truck. What does the handoff look like? even before they give us the contract, right? So let's say a mining company goes on, say, okay, there is a $5 billion worth of mining material sitting there. I want to mine that. And it will take me $4 billion to mine it. So I have a billion dollar profit. It is a good business to do. That's kind of really the, it is a, it works, right? Now they said for me to take that 4 billion material out, it will take me 10 years, right? To take that 5 billion, it will take me 10 years. Now they said, okay, I'm going to use 100 truck. I'm going to do you all those things. They do their capital allocation. Then they come to us saying that I already have this 100 vehicle. Can you go make it autonomous? So one of the things we do, we retrofit the existing vehicle. So they already have the vehicle. We go to their mine, something called a commissioning. So now let's say somebody gives us a 100 vehicle. We send it, we dispatch a team to that mine and we retrofit the all 100 vehicle, make them, calibrate them, test them, do all that. And it takes about, let's say, for 100 vehicles, it will probably take us, we'll do it in a batch, let's say two months, right? We'll do it in a batch, maybe 20 at a time, and we'll retrofit, test it, give it to them, retrofit, test it, give it to them. In that commissioning phase, we do most of the work where we retrofit, test it, calibrate it, make sure the mine is ready. Then when you give it back to them, we have a smaller team sits in that mine with them, where we actually run the system with them and train them at the same time. So think about next six months, a small team of us will sit with the customer and run that with them and train them at the same time. So after six months, we slowly pull back. Now we come out of the mine and we still stay in the same country so that if anything happened, we can kind of fly in and fly out. But then after six months, our you know, customer people are all running the mine. But that six months is our training period, if you will. When you retrofit a heavy-duty truck to make it an autonomous heavy-duty truck the mines operated we said earlier dust there's rocks it's it's bumpy do you have to harden the sensors or do you put some sort of coatings or material around them so if something bounces up the sensor will not get knocked out yeah and you pointed out a very good point i mean that the robustness we need not it's a vibration the shock the dust the 24 7 operation it is very harsh condition out there so the way we do it we actually have a hardware partner who has been doing this thing for defense industry for a long time. So they are bread and butter is to develop the hardware solution that is tested and you know true tested in a defense industry and other harsh condition as well. So we 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 don't do the actual hardware robustness. We have a extremely extremely you know credible partner. They have been doing it for years and years. Uh, we work with them and that's also part of our thesis and our company that we are very collaborative and very work together with other companies. This is not something a startup can bring. So you build the brains. Is that fair? You build the brains to make it work? I would say we do the software and we do what we are good at. And we, we know what you're not good at. We, we find the best people in the world to make it happen. It's collaborations and partnerships that will win at the end of the day with autonomy. It's not a, a one company takes all. It's not a one size fits all. Be of different spoke approaches. Mine autonomy will operate different than robo taxis, than different from long haul autonomous trucking. 
I'm really curious. You built this business. You have you have partnerships. You're operating in the construction industry. You're operating in the mining industry. How many deployments does Safe AI currently have around the world? We have one truck running in Australia Gold Mine. We are going to ramp up to 12 truck very shortly. So you will see a lot of these announcements and the demonstration and the videos early next year. Uh, we are running one truck in Japan. Again, that truck is we are going to ramp up as well, one of the construction site. We are running a one truck and one dozer in US site. So that is in Bay Area, California. We have a massive site in here. And then, you know, what, some of them working already in the process. We are not public yet, but you, we are going to be in some of the other countries that you mentioned, Latin Americas of the world. So we'll run there very soon. There's a lot of lithium in Chile. And, and where the world's going, that's a growth market. You have you have minerals and metals also in Australia. You have some in Peru. But as you're scaling up the business, I like this. You're taking a global approach. So you publicly disclosed you have a truck in Japan. You publicly disclosed you have one in Australia. As you grow the business, by the end of the decade, how many autonomous trucks are you looking to bring online? Are you looking to bring hundreds online, thousands online? And will you continue to focus on a global approach? We will definitely focus on the global approach, but if you just zoom in into mining alone, so there are about, you know, mining probably have about 100,000 equipment that, you know, we, we look at it as a, there are a lot of equipment out there, but that's what we target right now, given the geography and the overall vehicle. So we, we want to do a at least 20 to 30% of this vehicle in, in next five to 10 years. And we believe that we are the bottleneck. You know, industry is asking for it. They want it today. So really, it is our initiative, our how fast can we run. The faster we can run, more we can deploy. But we are looking to do about 20 to 30% of that fleet autonomous in the next 5 to 10 years. You're preparing to scale. You are truly preparing to scale. As more and more mines come online, the demand for EVs grow. It creates a great tailwind at your back to scale your company. And in your opinion, what is the future of the autonomous heavy duty vehicle industry? Yeah, I think if you fast forward 10 years and obviously just to kind of, you will see a significant presence of autonomous vehicle running across the world, whether it's mining and construction. And this vehicle will be autonomous, this vehicle will be connected. And I think that we are kind of not touching the connected part, that will have a significant effect. I mean, this industry is not connected properly today is going to get connected because that why it is important because once you know your real data how you did your site one time you use the data for next time planning that's another big change happen uh, i can go more into that but like so that's one thing and you will see a lot of electrified vehicle in this industry so i and, and the beauty of this industry is that you will see that actually working these are not prototypes these are not going to be demo these are not some talk right because they have a real dollar value they have a real need so you will see the scale it will almost feel like anybody in 10 years from now not using this thing they're like why are you not using it yet right it will be almost the other way around and i think it will get there if the industry is ready for that connectivity plays a lot of roles it's going to help you scale for your customers but as the supply chain would we get to the point where the connectivity on your trucks or your customers trucks will be mining the CO2 emissions and all this data that they can use to put into ESG transparency reports. Is that an example of how the connectivity will be used? That's definitely one of the good examples. But I'll kind of let me give you a, again how this industry works, right? Let's say you are you are a country where you want to renovate your airport and it's a two billion dollar project and it takes a 10 year. So you say, okay, all the construction company in the world go bid for that project. 
and I am a construction company. I have done a airport renovation in Perth, Australia. Now you are telling me to do it in, let's say, in Singapore. What I'm going to do, I have people who are experts about building, you know, renovating airport. I'm going to go to them and say, this is your project. And they have the, all the smart people, expert people doing it for 20, 30 years. They're going to do it. They're going to come up with the budgeting. They're going to say, okay, what is special about Singapore, this particular airport? Now think about, instead of a human group of expert people doing it, the work you have done on airport number one, two years ago, that was also a $2 billion project. That is also a 10-year project. You have the exact data how you run that mine to the optimal everything is there on your fingertips you use the data to predict what is going to be your cost and how you're going to run this particular site the efficiency you gain by doing that this industry hasn't seen that that is the real game changer of use of data along with all the things you said there will be a lot of advantage but that's like literally the that will light bulb will go on in the in this industry when they realize the power of data that they haven't used it yet. Autonomy, connectivity combined are going to increase efficiencies. It's going to help us meet our goals for COP26. It's going to help us electrify the world. And it's autonomous mining and construction is the future. Bridget, as we look to wrap up this insightful conversation, what would you like our listeners to take away with them today? Yeah, before we wrap up, I think one thing I keep reminding, I am still very amazed how much you know and really, really, appreciate you doing that. I mean, I think one thing that we, I say that the world still doesn't open up to the fact how exciting this industry is, how important it is. As a normal person, the way you want to think about why you care about mining and construction is that think about a you know, bridge is getting built on your back and backyard. You say, okay, why is it taking so long? Why is it costing me so much money? Because it's at the end of the day, it's your money. It's your money because it's a taxpayer money. So really as a, I think bringing that awareness both that how important it is to humanity also so much exciting work is going on so if they want to join this industry obviously we are hiring they want to come join us we are, we are hiring all the smart people we don't move without getting the right people in the team so bringing the awareness to this industry is what you know what really and you're already doing that so thank you for that you're welcome the mining industry is a movie if anybody's interested in the mining industry, there's a lot of very good books. You can read Vault Rush by Henry Sanderson. You can read The World for Sale by Javier Bloss. There's other books on mining that will open your world. It is a fascinating movie. It could be a, a thriller directed by Steven Spielberg. It is a great industry. It is an industry that plays a critical role in the global economy. And thank you for the kind words, Brigitte. I'm a fan of the industry because mining is the future. It's something that we need and it'll only be enhanced with autonomy because today is tomorrow, tomorrow is today, and the future is safe AI. Bibraji, thank you so much for coming on SAE Tomorrow Today. Thank you. Thank you for listening to SAE Tomorrow Today. If you've enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more, please kindly rate, review, and let us know what topics you'd like for us to explore next. Be sure to join us next week as we hear from representatives from ANSYS and the BMW Group. They'll discuss their partnership in co-developing simulation software for autonomous driving and the creation of the first ever end-to-end tool chain specifically guided by safety. SAE International makes no representations as to the accuracy of the information presented in this podcast. The information and opinions are for general information only. SAE International does not endorse, approve, recommend, or certify any information, product, process, service, or organization presented or mentioned in this podcast.